Welcome everyone to The Tower, the only Australian flight sim podcast. Diving into the latest news, products and developer insights. This week we look at the future of Microsoft Flight Simulator and updates, Phoenix A320 as well as an interview with NZA Simulations, to which you can come and ask any question you wish with the team. This and much more coming up live on The Tower podcast, right here by Oz Virtual Pilots. Well, hi there, Brad. How's it going, mate? Not too bad, mate. That's good. We've obviously had a big, big week here uh, at Oz Virtual Pilots. We have. Yeah, we've actually had a immense week, especially with uh, our GA event that ran this afternoon. That was fantastic. Um, how did how did you think it went? Really good, mate. The amount of people that we got mm. it was quite overwhelming. Like it was fantastic to see so many people actually get involved. Yeah. And you know, Sunday afternoon as well. It's sort of perfect timing for everyone to jump on, I suppose. And you know, well, it worked out really with well. The community. Yeah, exactly. I think it worked out really well. We had a great turnout for the first of our GA event, and you know, that's going to be running every weekend now. On Sunday is at three o'clock PM Australian Eastern Standard Time. And it's great because you're getting more of the community involved, and you know, I don't think we've seen something like that in the community, um, in terms of the Australian flight sim community where people can just jump on with free reins. So I think it's obviously something that people are going to really enjoy. So let's see how it goes. But obviously, a lot of news has been happening. And, you know, this we've got a lot coming up, as I said. we got Microsoft Flight Simulator to talk about. We have the Phoenix A320 that's going to come out later this year. And as well, we have NZA that will be joining us. And they're going to be having a little bit of a discussion, answering some of our viewership questions. But if you are here, please keep alive in the chat, discuss, talk with us, and give us your viewpoints on what we're discussing. So let's hop onto the first topic at the moment. It's on everyone's lips, you know. Let's talk about Sim Update Five that's come from Microsoft Flight Simulator. I call this the update of disasters. What would you say? I would say the same, mate. Absolutely yeah. agree. I I think personally, when you look at an update, uh, that's let's be honest. Microsoft have released some good updates in the past. They really have. But when we look at this latest update, we're looking at something that has come in the form that has almost destroyed you know, areas of the flight sim community that are connected with Microsoft Flight Simulator that we haven't seen before. You know, we're not looking just at the pilots that are flying. We're not just looking at the new players, but it was an update that was promised to bring performance and it did bring performance fixes, but it's brought a lot of issues beyond people that are flying. Um, the question is, where does, where does Microsoft go ahead with solving this problem, in your opinion? Probably, main aspect would probably be maybe listening more to the community and trying to figure out where everything, you know, needs to go and what needs to be mm. fixed. And it's, I don't know, it's hard to figure out because I, trying to see it from their side of the fence as well is pretty difficult. Mm. And you can't really, you know, you can't really pick it on them too much when you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. But, exactly. you know, there, there's got to be a lot more... I suppose you could say involvement with the community. Yeah. Well, you know, the disappointing thing for me is, you know, we've got a flight sim community in Australia that's quite, you know, active as well as, you know, other parts of the world. But, yeah. you know, if we look at Sim Update 5, yes, we've had the issues of, you know, in the past with performances and all the rest of it. But these Sim Updates, uh, we usually fear, and personally, I fear the world updates where we have these, you know, these inflated, you know, problems come out of nowhere. But this update, you know, if we look at where it's stretched, further into the community. If you look at, for example, Honeycomb Aeronauticals, everyone knows them. They're a premium brand and you pay upwards of 500 Australian dollars for their yoke or their throttle quadrant. 
They're fantastic products. I'm lucky enough to have one of them myself. But the issues that have come out of this product is just... It's, it, I don't understand where to begin with this. You know, this company has made a premium product and they're selling it now and people are bring, buying it while the SIM update has been released or just after. And they're returning to Aeronautical saying, my, my controller's broken. And it's really due to the fact that Microsoft have to take responsibility here. But for new pl players and pilots, they aren't aware of this. So where does Microsoft fit in and take responsibility? Because this Microsoft have just been completely quiet about this. Yeah, absolutely. And all the developers, all their hands are tied. They've got angry customers that have spent quite a bit of money mm -hmm. to do this simulation. And Microsoft just really don't really care from the looks of it. They, they really need to figure out the issues and, you know, start supporting all the developers and everyone yeah. that's making all this software and hardware and um yeah because just they're just they're copying microsoft's heat mm. well it just gets even worse you know we had a developer update on the 19th uh, which was yesterday or the day before a couple of days ago and you know microsoft basically laid out well we know the issues are out there and we have got a plan but they will be fixed in world updates there's no guarantee there's that many problems in the sim at this point that they can't actually guarantee when they will fix them and you know when you look at the developers that are making their hardware products you know that microsoft have actually specifically called out honeycomb's products issues and they've stated that it's not even started it's planned for 2021 so you've got a company that's selling premium products that can't be used and that are failing and they're going to be under the absolute pump with customers coming back to them and it's just and for microsoft they're looking at other stuff that are world updates. Should Microsoft, in your opinion, just put aside for a moment all these world updates and sceneries, which include the 100 points of interest, should they put that to the side? And should they just focus on these developers that are suffering due to the mistakes they've made with putting consoles to talk to PCs and the whole coding issue? Absolutely. I reckon a stable sim is better than anything else compared to a world update. Um, I'd much prefer you know, to have a stable sim and all the hardware and everything work properly before all these other updates come. Mm. Well, you know, it's a good point you make. Like, we've had a stable, you know, sim in the past. Like, I think before the Sim Update 5, yes, the performance was not a thing amazing to what we have now, but it certainly was, you know, not without without all these issues that we've seen. It was without all these issues that allowed us to play Flight Sim. And yes, there's people in the community right now that are flying their GA aircraft, and that's fine. But there's also people that are on IFR that haven't got these controllers. It's a But everyone's experiencing different problems. I've heard things from Crash the Desktop being the most common to controllers that won't work, to developers that can't get their products put out on time because they don't know if it's going to work with the Sim Update. I've seen issues in terms of scenery and people are coming back and saying look we can't provide a fix for this it lays on microsoft but in the meantime microsoft are more or less focusing on their sim update uh sorry can i correct myself world update it's just it, it doesn't make sense to me where microsoft's head is in terms of their main source of income is going to come from these developers i'd imagine yeah exactly right and you know that all the developers that are doing all the extra stuff that's what's getting people excited and, you know, wanting to fly and use all this new stuff that's coming mm. out. But they just can't because, you know, they're having all these issues. And yeah. it, it makes it extremely hard on all the developers. Exactly. So in addition to what they told us, they said to us that uh, Sim Update 5, oh, sorry, Sim Update 6 will be pushed back to the 7th of September. Uh, so they're obviously trying to fix something there, but it's taking some time for them to figure out what to do. And uh, on the screen of the viewers right now, there's a whole list of issues, and you can see four from the bottle there. It, it says um, number 
Honeycomb Aeronautical, please uh, fix input bugs. It's not even started. 2021, it's released. It, there's no idea to fix for those developers in sight. A premium brand, you'd really expect Microsoft to pull out their finger for them. But nevertheless, that doesn't seem to be the case here. So with Microsoft Flight Simulator heading on into the future, um, I personally believe that Microsoft should just pull their game out and just say, okay, sim updates and world updates have to really focus on the hardware, build a stable sim, and go maybe more for a platform where it's development and stable. That's my opinion. What do you think, Brad? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah 100% agree with you, mate. I'm, I'm even having issues still with all my hardware mm. since the update. And it's just, it's not getting any better. And it makes it extremely difficult to actually feel motivated to want to fly. Exactly. It is. I can tell you now, I remember when the Sim Update 5 release, I spent a whole solid week and a half off the Sim. And it was disappointing. It was disappointing for myself and a lot of people I know that spoke to us at our group, at us virtual pilots, they, they said the exact same thing. They said that this is disappointing. We can't play our Sims. We can't do this. And we're just waiting for a hotfix. A hotfix gets released and there's nothing that's changed from some people. It's exactly. going in circles. Exactly right. And you have these people that have specifically gone out and bought a computer just for this Sim and, you know, done the entire setup, spent thousands of dollars and they can't even play a Sim. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of beyond a joke. Exactly. So if you're out there and you're having some sim problems, let us know what your sim problems are that you're facing it in the new sim. You know, we've seen people from GA to IFR flying, all different types of flying in the you know sim, and they're experiencing issues. Um, and we've and I've you know had to stop doing my long haul flights because I'm getting crushed, uh, crash the desktops, and it's not really working. So that's where sim updates are for Microsoft Flight Simulator. Whether or not they'll fix them, we'll find out. But it's looking a bit troubling for Microsoft on this end. But anyways, yeah. Moving on. Obviously, there are the people out there that love their commercial jets and, you know, commercial jets at the moment are very much eagerly looking or anticipated in the new Microsoft Flight Sim. We've seen that PMDG have worked on their 737 and that's something that most people are aware is a sustainable and good product and worth the $90 price tag. But something else that's new that's quite surprised me when it came out was the Fenix A320. Um, the A320 by Fenix is, you know, been released a couple of you know, months ago. And it quite surprised me considering we have a probably the best you know commercial aircraft are already in the game at the moment in terms of freeware. Uh, an A320neo that was redone by Fly-By-Wire. Um, and Phoenix have stated that you know beyond the modeling, the team has doubled down on how they will texture the A320 using color correction tools to get the right tones and hues in the cockpit. The team have managed to make an Airbus cockpit that looks like the real thing. Now, Brad, the thing for me is the A320neo by Flybyway is exceptional. They are the they are the hand-on developers that always get their updates, no matter when Microsoft stuff up on their end, and it's free. It's and it, I believe that it's pay. You, I could pay fifty bucks for that compared to what else is out there for money. Like you know, other projects have been done, like triple sevens and seven three seven maxes, which you're asking for ridiculous amounts of money for crappy work. You yeah, Flybyway have proven for freeware. They're doing extremely well, and all they run in on is off donations that people want to give. So, where does someone like Phoenix for you fit in to the idea that they're going to have a customer basis that they, you know, because there's customers like myself out there that'll look at this and go, you know, for the price, let's say it's you know around the price of fifty or sixty Australian dollars, is it really worth it for me to pull out and get the new A320? Where do you think that they will Phoenix will have to appeal to their customer basis? I mean, Fly-By-Wire has done an absolutely extraordinary job on the A320 and to do that for freeware and just donations is absolutely incredible. And the way, like the time frame 
to get updates and everything out to sort that aircraft out is just amazing. Mm. Um, I don't know, Fenix. I'm not really sure, mate. Uh, it's trying to figure out what the major differences between the two and whether that's actually worth extra money mm. or you know, is coming from something as um, as good as fly-by-wire for freeware, it's sort of hard to put a price on how much better this is going to actually be. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they're really going to have to pull a you know cat out of the bag to yeah. try and you know uh, gain people's trust to begin mm. with, and um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure how much how, like how much further they can go yeah. compared to fly-by-wire. Well, I'll tell you this: they like the model exterior wise looks fantastic. It really does look good. But as we've seen in the past, you can have a great exterior model, but your aircraft systems and all the other stuff could be completely dog water. But the the interesting point is that. You know, fly-by-wire, you know, have done their part and they've made a valuable aircraft. So Phoenix are probably extremely aware of that. So for them, they showcased a couple of weeks ago or months ago, they showcased a video of an auto landing at Sydney. And they were really in that video trying to showcase the onboard system. So is it for you that if this aircraft is going to turn people, it has to be through the idea that these are in-depth systems for those people that want to learn the A320 to its technological state that other aircrafts aren't at? Yeah, absolutely. Every it'll have to be every single system, every single button, every single like anything to do in that cockpit and all the electronics. Mm. They all have to absolutely work, and they you know they have to do something. Yeah, exactly. You know, to warrant to warrant the cost. Yeah, you you expect that of a company such as you know Phoenix if they're going to be going for this shot, they're gonna you know it's nothing easy. They could have had the pick of doing another aircraft, but they've gone for something that's already in the game. Uh, yep. To a free standpoint, yes, it's a neo version, all the rest of it. But you know, we have no idea if this will be a study level aircraft. But with the onboard system, that's the only way I can see a customer basis getting involved with it. Like it's fantastic. The texturing is amazing. They have you know the paint chipping off the buttons that you'd typically flick and yep. switch. That's great. But does it mean anything more for the fifty dollar price tag? I don't know. As we know, this hobby is very expensive for people. People have their issues already trying to pay for Navigraph subscriptions and all the rest of it. So to warrant fifty dollars has to be a hell of a lot. I personally don't. I would prefer a larger variety, and I'd probably go for the seven three seven over the A three twenty. But it has to model up on where they're bringing their depth into. How far is this going for Phoenix to be able to go, yeah, we're going to build an aircraft here that sustains the price tag of being able to do all these onboard systems that companies like, you know, and developer groups like Flyby can't match us at. That's where yeah. I think it's coming from, in my opinion. Absolutely. And they, like you said earlier, they must know that Fly-By-Wire is, you know, has done an extremely good job of their A320. And I'm sure that they know that. And, you know, their systems and their aircraft is going to have to be a lot better in a way to, you know, for people to warrant spending the money purchasing it, you know. Exactly. And, and that's the point, I think, at the end of the day. Like, you're going to be looking at an aircraft that is, you know really well sustained it's fantastic it looks good and it's you know it's something that i would you know eventually i think that would get around to it but there have been other simulator companies in the past that um you know developers so to speak that have made a320s and they've been at study level uh, phoenix haven't said as i said have said nothing about that um 
but it's you know we I don't we have no idea of price at the moment. We have no idea of release date. It definitely does look like an impressive cockpit. They've shown uh, images of FPS, and I've got numbers here to report it. And the fly-by-wire. This is prior to Sim Update Five. We saw in the fly-by-wire. Um, you know, frame rates of 33 sitting on a standard taxi, uh, sorry, sitting on a standard runway at a default airport. Uh, but with the Phoenix A320, who saw uh, numbers such as 44.4 frames per second. So there's obviously got some improvements behind the scenes, but I think that's not going to warrant people pulling the 50 bucks out. They know they're going to still have frame rates issues no matter what developers tell them because it's based on your system yep. build. But, you know, for you personally, where would... If this hit out on the market at Australian dollars, fifty dollar price tag, where do you think something like this would have to grab you? As someone that flies the A three twenty often enough with the new sim, of course, where does this have to jump out for you? Um, pretty much, not everyone's going to look at performance, and not everyone's going to go, "Yeah, I'm going to spend fifty dollars on an aircraft just because you get an extra four frames." Mm. Um, me personally, that's not what I would go for. Um, as you said earlier, I'd probably end up going for the seven three seven anyway, but um. Yeah, it, it's systems and all that sort of stuff is going to have to be mega, and it would have to be be like very well study level for me to want to purchase it and spend the money. Yeah, especially when Flyby was doing such a great job anyway. Exactly. It, it's sort of it's very difficult to spend fifty dollars over something that's free, even if you have to suffer and not get as many, you know, as many electronics or as many. Um, bells and whistles you know it's sort of it's it's a big leap yeah so we're just going to um jump into uh our interview room for the next uh, segment of the show so just bear with us um brad join me all right so we got the a320 brad obviously that's you know the you know market out there at the moment for you know those users but we'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks i'm sure there's gonna be a lot to talk about and we'll see hopefully more from the development team uh, moving on, um, we have obviously got a very good partnership with a great team in the Australian and New Zealand region, and they're known than the NZA Simulator uh, dev team. And we've been very lucky to have the opportunity on our first stream to have the chat with Josh and Elijah. Uh, how you guys going? Good, mate. Yourself? Good, thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about where you guys are in terms of, you know, who you are and where you've established yourself because obviously you're a name that has come more around with the new update of the new Microsoft Flight Sim. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Sure. Um, yeah, we started out uh, just kicking off a Discord channel around uh, some of the uncertain times that are going on at the moment. Um, uh, Tim and myself started the uh, the Discord and then uh, a bunch of uh, people sort of started coming along to some of the flights and that, that was all good. Um, one of the earlier guys uh, cracked the SDK open and uh, started to work some of the stuff out. Um, in the flights, we met uh, Nick and Dean, uh, and then Elijah uh, also came along, and uh, it's kind of the core group today. We've got um, Sam uh, is handling a lot of our development, mm. and um, uh, Reva as well, who's been doing a lot of our uh, liveries. Mm. So that's kind of how we got started. So one of the questions... Um... I think we were, as we were discussing before is, you know, we're looking at, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, and obviously that's, you know, the primary simulator you guys are catering for. Um, with all the issues going on at the moment, does that pose a, you know, a problem itself to developers like yourself? Like, does that halt you guys in, you know, releasing products or at least, you know, marketing stuff to the point that you know they're going to be able to be released with a change of what Microsoft might deliver on an update? Yeah, I'll let uh, Elijah answer this yeah. question. He's probably 
got a good good one yeah so especially with the um the dynamic aspect of this simulator the the always online always up-to-date model it it presents interesting challenges in terms of uh features that get changed without a lot of um dialogue between developers and the guys at asobo slash microsoft um luckily enough with sim update 5 we did get a beta that we were able to adjust some scenery objects um to, to make it more compatible but it will be a continuing challenge um with the always online always up-to-date model of the sim but it's something that we will continue to support and it's not going to change our uh, it's not going to change our end goal for supplying updates and keeping our products up to date yeah. uh, for the sim so obviously you know you guys have been known to release you know a lot of freeware you know sceneries my personal favorite must be Kalgoorlie. i just love that uh, boulder we actually had the opportunity to fly over with a group a couple of months ago but um what was always obviously you guys taught um you know within your group was that was it always self-taught or did you pick up you know skills from other trades of design you know course that you guys did possibly you know a few years ago like where did it sort of pick up that you were able to take these skills that are obviously at a very high level with what you can produce and actually make something out of it where did it come sort of from that um yeah it was an interesting one actually um i mean e each of us sort of have our own sort of disciplines uh, we were really lucky we're um uh, we had uh, a 3D design student uh, join our team, mm -hmm. and he'd just come off out of his degree uh, with some of the, the latest motion picture type uh, 3D work. So he brought the uh, the workflow skills into um, into the team. Um, it, it, we were also really lucky that we've got some you know pretty switched on guys in the team, uh, and they could just pick the stuff up really quickly. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's easy stuff. Um, so they, they really did. Uh, really did well um speaking for myself um i've got a few years experience in graphics uh, i've been doing it a long time uh so yeah it's just we've all sort of mashed together with our, our skill sets and uh various aptitudes and areas uh that we specialize in and it's been uh, it's been really good yeah fantastic so one of the questions um that someone asked is you know with you know new zealand and you know you guys have obviously a, a some amazing airports in new zealand one of which obviously you're working on at the moment um where was hobart ever considered was hobart always on the map for end today or was it something that you guys thought like was there a region you guys stick to between new zealand and australia or were you guys both looking at you know both areas of the regions yeah we um it was a bit of a, a bit of an interesting one i'm sure elijah can uh, elaborate a little bit more but we had uh, this kids that have come into the uh discord and and um we were talking about possibly doing melbourne but thinking it's a bit you know a bit much to to bite off for our first big mm. one um he came in and said oh you guys want to do hobart and you know we we we, we uh, turned around and said well why not and um some crazy uh, decision along the along the point we uh, decided to do t you know two airports so the, the main airport and then uh, cambridge as well Mm. Um, I'm not sure if Elijah's got a different take on it. No, yeah, Hobart was always a, a good option for us because it had never been done uh, properly. Like, it had mm. been done as freeware in previous sims, but it had never been done to the payware level in previous sims. So we also thought, well, you know, this is a good opportunity for us to be like, hey, look, we're not domping on anyone's toes. We're not here to make enemies. We're here to, you know, a, you know supply a new play new sceneries to the community and that's why hobart was eventually picked as our first payware yeah so what are the considerations i have obviously we're in a COVID world at the moment and you know 
from a developer standpoint, how do you gain research? Do you end up, you know, for some states, if you're very close and you're able to travel within reasonable distance uh, to airports, is that a favoured option for people like yourselves as developers or is it more or less you reach out to the community to gain insights and research and photos? Is, you know, how, is there a, a certain balance that developers, you know, like yourselves try and strike between visiting these places in real life if you do or where does it work? Yeah, you can never have enough resources mm. uh, at the end of the day. Um, reference collection is always the first and maybe one of the most tedious processes um, just because it feels like you never quite got enough. Um, but eventually you do get to a point where you realize you have enough to work with. Mm. Um, but in terms of resource collection for us, in person is the best and that's often what we get. We're lucky enough to have a great community that uh, supports us. We have a lot of pilots um, and um, fans across Australia and New Zealand that have the opportunity to get to these airports that we want to do. And that's where the majority of our re references do come from. So these are actual pilots that, you know, commercial and, you know, private that'll actually, you know, reach out and give you guys support in terms of images and research. Yeah, correct. And also a, a good mix of just um, everyday folk that, that have wow. a chance to get down to the to the airport with their camera and get a few snaps as well. Yeah, that's fa that's really fantastic. So... Obviously, there's, you know, a lot of research and you've mentioned that, you know, Hobart was a good start for you guys in terms of because no one had done it before. But, you know, we've seen, you know, in time release of, you know, places like Nelson. Um, where was Nelson in terms of your next step and how long did it take you to determine after finishing Hobart that that was your next move? I think um, we picked that one about midway through Hobart. Um, so Hobart was a bit of a long process. It took us about four months uh, we had a few few stabs at at, at uh, Hobart, um, just with learning, and then going. No, we've got to we've got to redo some some of the bits and pieces. Um, Nelson, we took everything we learnt uh, and a whole new approach uh, when we constructed it, um, and push, pushing it, you know, a lot to more sort of in the way of uh, mm -hmm. uh, technology and what the sim was capable of. The, the great thing with Hobart is we managed to really push the limits of the sim and we found all the limits. Uh, we found where we got stuttering, we found where we got uh, VRAM over usage and uh, uh, poly counts and it, it was really good, you know, as much as we were making mistakes, we were they were good mistakes to make and in, in, in all part of that learning process. But sort of just to answer your question, um, it was about halfway through and we picked it for its... Um, uh, it's a really good regional airport right in the middle of everything. Yeah. Uh, some good local, uh, um, you know, local airlines um, flying around the area. So it's, um, yeah, it's, and this is for it was, Nelson. it's a good one. And that's for Nelson, is it? That's for Nelson, yeah. yes. So one thing with Nelson, obviously, you know, we see a lot of, as you said, regional, uh, you know, flying. Um, you know, is that something that you expect to see, you know, reflect, you know, with more, you know, people coming on to Nelson as a product, you know, when we start to see the sim release, you know, more appropriate aircraft like the ATR that will be coming by a Sobo? Is that what you where you guys expect to see? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I think uh, some of the chats that we sort of had around it, we, we thought, oh, should we... Should we do a um, another you know another international? Um, and then we thought, well, we've just come off an international, actually two airports, um, and we made the uh, the decision to when we made the decision to do Nelson, we also looked at uh, one of the local um, local aero clubs uh, airfields, uh, Mochuaca. Um, so 
still staying in the theme with releasing two mm -hmm. uh for the for the for the relative size of doing doing the two two airfields um and it's that sort of stuff's quite important when you're um you know you're working on an airfield you do um i wouldn't say get sick of it but you do you know when you're you're putting in seven hours a night and you know lots of weekend time and all the rest of it uh times however many people are working on it uh it's good to have a break and go do something a little bit different so you know still still producing uh the goods so to speak but um uh you know getting a bit of a uh a break i yeah. think the word is um brad did you have anything you wanted to say in terms of because i know brad is also very familiar with your you know developing group and we're both you know a lot of us here that fly on often weekdays actually you know love seeing australian airports come to it and brad you know definitely is someone that has told me that he wants to collect all the australian airports uh brad did you have anything you want to add uh, mate, I'm pretty sure you covered most of it. Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I can't really think of anything <laughs> to um, add to that. Um, yeah, no, mate. That's all right. One of the points I want to ask you guys is obviously that we've started to see the development of your, you know, you've gone from Hobart to Nelson. Um, where is Christchurch in terms of, you know, where is that in, on your roadmap? Is that something that was always planned that you want to get to eventually? Because we're aware that Flight Beam uh, have Auckland. I believe as well. Um, where does where did Christchurch also come on to it? And you know, where are you guys at? And that you can tell us, you know, on the terms of you know where you are in development of Christchurch, because we've seen that in the past couple of weeks, you've released a few images of wireframes and all the rest of it. So, what can you tell us um, to our viewers out there? Yeah, sure, uh, Elijah. Do you want to do you want to spill the goods? <laughs> yeah. So Christchurch is in a really um, healthy spot now, where you can. Pretty much fly into the airport and have the feel of being at Christchurch. Mm. Um, that being said, it's not polished. It's not, you know, it hasn't got the ground clutter and things like that now. But um, in terms of air, airport layout, um, you know, significant features, things like the towers and terminals um, and reference points in the immediate vicinity, uh, that's all sitting in the sim right now. Mm. Um, so look forward to getting some juicy screenshots sometime, maybe this week or next week. Um, as we start to bring more of those elements uh, in, uh, that we can see uh, behind closed doors into the public spaces. Fantastic. So one thing I, I personally want to know with Christchurch is, you know, what does it offer for those that want to fly their smaller commercial aircraft? So do we see any, you know, variation across all the aircraft? I know there's probably the 787 that rolls in. Um, you know, what do we see in terms of aircraft variety? Nothing, obviously, too much in detail we need, but is there a lot of options for people that fly all variations of aircraft to, you know, be able to take, you know, opportunity at Christchurch? Yeah, I, I, I've always considered Christchurch um, and similar airports to be kind of those perfect airports mm. for the flight sim community because you have options of 20-minute regional hops, you have options of one-hour domestic hops, and then you have the option for a four-hour, you know, short medium long haul uh, over the ditch yeah. to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and then you also, of course, have the options for your big overnighters where you go have a have a sleep and come back to land the plane, <laughs> which is awesome about these size airports. They're not, you know, they're not just here for the for the long flights. They're not just a, a regional airport where, you know, where we're lacking an ATR or similar size yeah. plane in the sim. It's, a, it's an airport you can enjoy with the aircraft we have in the sim right now. That's fantastic. Yeah. Quite quite stoked with it actually because it's uh, it's also got you know uh, local medical uh, flying doctor services uh, the helicopter so um, rescue centre and also the uh, Canterbury Aero Club as well has uh, got a whole side of the um, uh, the airport um, premises 
Uh, so it really, it's, you know, airport-wise, it's pretty much got it all. The other really cool thing about it is it's uh, a base for the U.S. Antarctic um, uh, program uh, for Scott Base, McMurdo Station. Really? So Yeah, so uh, they fly all their ops out of there. Hmm. Um uh, down to Antarctica, uh, so there's a lot, a lot of trips that go out of there. So it's kind of one of those real hub airports. Yeah. So it, give, it gives everyone sort of the opportunity to recreate any sort of flight they want to. So pretty much anything they want to do, they That's can. The yeah, yeah. It's 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 really it's a really awesome airport for that sort of thing. So I've seen like the wireframes that you guys have produced, and you know it's sort of we've seen the main terminal, and obviously we've seen the next things, but. Heading out, we see. Have you? Are we looking at a bit of seeing something, you know, in terms of the surrounding airport perimeter, you know, with you know some development, because um, you know I'm someone that has not looked, you know, too much to Christchurch, but now with the scenery coming out, it would be something that would be definitely on my list and probably the many others out there. But do we for the surrounding area currently for Christchurch, we know with the sim at its current state. Is there a lot there, or do we see the possibility of you know development for you know external you know points of interest and all the rest of it yeah so um going on that if you saw this one of the screenshots that we released a few weeks ago there's one looking out the back of the tower not towards the apron but out the back towards um centennial bridge um and over there there's lots of business parking commercial areas which we're all doing up um now before anyone gets scared because we say we're doing business parks and commercial areas there it's all being done super efficiently and really well optimized it's not having any performance on uh, any uh, uh performance impact um but we really are trying to get the whole feeling of christchurch not just the apron side mm-hmm. um i know a lot of simmers don't do much past the apron but it's for the people that want something past the apron um, and so we're trying to bring that whole experience in just like we did with nelson Okay, guys. Well, that's something that's, I think, really positive to go off. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, especially in Australia, love flying in New Zealand. We've had a lot of people flying in the past couple of weeks, but we're definitely looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. Please keep us updated. We really want to keep hearing what's going and, you know, we can't wait to see what happens. No worries. Awesome. Thanks Cheers so much, that. guys. And if you want to catch up next week on the Tower Podcast, we're streaming it every night, Sunday, 7 o'clock p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And we'll be here on YouTube and we'll be played back on Spotify, available very shortly. So for everyone that's joined us, thank you so much for joining. We're going to keep them short so you guys have as much time to catch up with all the flights and news. And we'll pick three topics each week. If you have any stories you want us to cover, please let us know. And we'll speak to you very soon next week. Thanks for joining.